thing you need to understand about healing is that there's actually two really important things I would tell everybody concerning healing and standing for healing to show up in your body. Number Divine healing. Number one is don't think that nothing's happening just because you don't feel any different after a few hours after you prayed. No, don't, don't, don't think nothing's happening just because you don't feel better. Something's happening powerfully, developing in the invisible world, and it will spring out into this natural world and knock all those symptoms out of your body. Don't worry about that. Just don't give in to the lies of the devil. Well, if God really heard your prayer, it would have happened by now. It's happening. Number two is just simply trust your Father God to sustain you and to keep you and to hold, hold you up until your body feels better, because He will. Amen. He will. Don't worry. He, you know what? <clears throat> if it's in the ring with you, then that's a good sign you can whip it, because the Lord would never allow any temptation, test, or trial to come to you that you were not able to endure and overcome and get out of. He said, God is faithful, who will not allow any test, temptation, or trial to come your way. He would not allow it to happen if you couldn't overcome it and escape it. So if it's in the ring with you, what's that show you? I can whip this thing. I can overcome it. If it's in the ring with you, if you're facing it, you can overcome it or the Lord wouldn't have allowed it. He's faithful not to do that. He's faithful. Like He said, He's not going to allow something to come your way that you can't overcome. I mean, if it's in the ring with you, that's a sign you can overcome it. So I suggest you get in the Word, dive in the Word, hear from God, do what He says, walk by faith, claim your healing, don't give up, keep believing. One of the things that I like to do when it comes to divine healing is I'm always like, I'm always like saying, okay, Lord, you know, is there anything beyond standing in faith and believing for my healing that I need to know right now so maybe this would never happen again? Right. It's called healing and wisdom. They, they go so together, right? How many, of you know, how many of you would like to fix what maybe opened the door to it as opposed to just get healed from it and, and happen again three weeks from now? I mean, if there's something in our lifestyle that opened the door to a problem in our life, praise God, believe for the healing because it'll happen. But how about also find out how for it not to happen again? Maybe there's some things we've done to let it in. Maybe there's some uh, natural things. Maybe there's some spiritual things. Maybe there's some things we've done that have opened the door to the problem. And it would be good at the same time to say, Lord, talk to me about this because I don't, really, I don't ever really want this to happen again. So can you please show me how to stop it from happening again and be open to wisdom? Even natural wisdom, change of diet, more exercise, for sure be open to violations of love or maybe things that you've been doing in the violation of love area that's caused your faith not to work and your shield not to be where it should be. It's important stuff. But just, just stand your ground and then trust God to sustain you until the healing manifests in your body, because He will. Can I get a witness, church? Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bible. It's Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read this again out of the New Life version. And can you guys put that little graphic up on the screen about glory in the church? We were going to show that last week and I never got to it, but I'm sure you're ready for it tonight. It's a little graphic up there just kind of giving us a visual of what this series is like. God wants His shining greatness to be in the church. Glory in the church. Appearances of God perceptible. It's time for more glory in the church. It's time that God be able to manifest His power and His glory greater than ever in the local church. It's time. 
the days around us are calling for it. The needs of the people are calling for it. I just want to experience it because I love God and that's not going to cause me to believe. I believe whether we see anything or not in this life, but I believe there's just as much as we would desire to you know, see His glory, He desires us to see His glory. And so I believe He's getting us ready for that. I think Carla reposted today on Facebook. Something we posted last week, I think we entitled it with a little picture, something about um, opening the door to greater glory, emphasizing our Wednesday night services. That's what we're learning to do. We're learning to open the door wider so God can manifest His presence, His power, His glory in a greater way in our churches. So, in Ephesians chapter 3, let's go ahead and go to Ephesians 3.21. If you have the New Life version, you can put that up on the screen. King James says, uh, Paul's ending a prayer. He talks about glory in the church. But in the New Life translation, which you, you guys had that last week, I think you had the right fonts and everything. It says in the NLT translation, Paul's ending his prayer. He says, God, may we see, well, may we see his shining greatness in the church. May we see his shining greatness in the church. Isn't that good? May all people in all time honor Christ Jesus, let it be so. So Paul is saying here, Lord, we want to see your glory in the church. Now, I, I want to say this before we go any further, because when we're talking about the glory of God, we're talking about some pretty spectacular things. But God's glory also manifests at times in non-spectacular ways, and those are just as important as the spectacular things He wants to do. For instance, a lot of revivals start because of, a, of, a, of an amazing outpouring. It looks like people get a little fanatical, but healings start taking place, and it seems like extremes are kind of happening. And maybe they are extremes, but they're getting revival going. If those revivals don't have solid teaching in them, they will always get off. Things will happen where they won't stay on course. It's not all spectacular. There are seasons where there's spectacular things happening. There's seasons where things... But even what's happening right now is powerful. Right. Your pastor's anointed. Sharing with you things that heaven wants you to hear tonight. Beyond my ability to study or anything. This is beyond that. I mean, I believe a lot of what you're hearing in these sermons and services are interpretation of tongues that I've prayed out for, you know, 30-some years of my life. And when I speak before people, there's a supernatural edge to it because I believe supernatural praying produces supernatural results. Yeah. And God's good. He will work through you. He works through you. I believe you're supernaturally hearing tonight in a way that you're actually getting something powerful out of this sermon. But other people, they can come in here and get nothing out of it. There's no anointing on them. There's no power on them. So whether it's spectacular or whether it's not spectacular, it's all supernatural and it's all powerful. It's, it's the Lord helping us greatly. But we, are, we do know from scriptures that there are times that we can be believing God for the spectacular, but not getting so caught up in the spectacular, but getting more caught up in Him than just what He does. See, I think sometimes we, we have to check ourselves and make sure we want the power of God for the right reason. The end result is not seeing the spectacular. The end result is somebody was helped. Yeah. Somebody was saved. God was glorified. Yeah. I think a lot of great revivals in the past would have continued and been sustained if people would have not thought that things weren't as powerful because there was a teaching message. No, things are just as powerful. If the Lord wants to teach, we need to let Him teach. 
So turn with me to another scripture um, in Revelation 3. And this is a little review, but then we're going to go to something tonight that's a little interesting, but it connects right along with everything we've been talking about. So again, in Revelation 3, verse 20, Revelation 3.20. Uh, let's go ahead and read the answer again, then we'll ask the question again, like we did last week. So Revelation 3.20 is the answer, and then I'll ask the question. Jesus, talking to the church at Laodicea, a local church, in this day, He said to the church, I stand at the door and knock. So it's like Jesus standing at the door of the church and knocking. He said, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This is really interesting because he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to the lost. I know we use the scripture at times for the lost, and there's some application there. But this scripture, Jesus is talking to born-again believers who are saved and heaven-bound. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. Well, what's he saying about that? Well, there's more we could open up to. There's areas of our life, areas of our church that we can open up to that He wants to come in with great power and glory. And so we see Him standing at the door of the church and knocking. And we know He's in our hearts by faith, but this is a different scenario. This is, this is God doing great things among us as a church or in your personal life. And so the question is this. Is our stance, Oh God, manifest your glory. Or is it church? open up the door to what he's been wanting to do for a long time anyway. Jesus is not like the devil and demons. He's not going to push, he's not going to force, and he's not going to make anybody do anything. Now, the devil and demons, they're the opposite. They will drive, force, and try to make people do things against their will, against the will of God. He's a pusher. He's a driver. You don't have to yield to him, but he's got, he tries to force people to do things against their will, against the will of God. But Jesus is not like that. He says, I stand at the door and knock. So when it comes to greater glory in our services, more miracle power, more healing power, when it comes to more of those things happening in our church service, is it, oh God, we're just waiting for you to do this, oh God, or is it God's waiting for the church to open the door a bit wider so he can do more? That's what we're talking about in these Wednesday night services, how to open the door wider to manifestations of the power of God in our church services. Now the power of God's at manifestation to a degree right now, helping me to preach things I've never even, you know, studied or, or it happens all the time. But we've got to make sure this doesn't become so common that we take it for granted. I know for sure me, I can't do that. There's a flow and that flow is because of the power of God. So I want you now to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're talking about glory in the church. And um, I'm going to read you a couple things here. Then we're going to tie it to a scripture concerning the Lord being able to manifest more in our local church. So, obviously, there is demonic resistance to us having powerful church services. Obviously, there's going to be demonic resistance to a church that is headed toward higher ground in the power of God. It shouldn't bother us because if we're headed toward higher ground than the power of God, the Holy Spirit surrounds us, the power of God surrounds us, and anything that comes against us isn't going to work anyway. I think I'd rather have a bunch of attacks from the devil and full protection than one little attack and no protection. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? 
Because, I mean, if you're never touched by it, who cares how many attacks there are? But you know, you know as well as I do that the devil and demons don't want the power of God manifesting in local churches. Of course, he's going to try to stop the revelation of the word from coming forth and the wisdom of God from coming forth. But if, but if he can't stop that, then he's going to try to stop the power of God from coming forth. Because Jesus is both. He's the wisdom of God and the power of God. And I thank God for the wisdom of God, but it's time we start seeing more of the power of God. Jesus is both. Right? Just as powerful as teaching is, He wants to do the same thing in the area of confirming the Word with signs following, miracles and healings. It's supposed to be happening, and it's going to happen in our local churches starting now. Amen. Do you know one of the reasons the devil is going to try to get you to sin? Is so you won't be able to believe for the greater things. Sin hurts our faith. That's why you need to repent as soon as possible and get out of that hurt faith and get back into bold faith. Um, so 2 Corinthians 4, I want to show you something here. We have to be aware of some things if we're going to see the greater glory. 2 Corinthians 4, some things are hidden behind some illusions of the devil, and we need to see, see clearly what's going on. Look at here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, said, If our good news of Jesus Christ is hidden, it's hidden to those that are lost. Now, why do the lost not see what we see? That Jesus is amazing. That His blood is powerful. That He's the only way to the Father. That by the cross of Jesus Christ, we can all be saved. By his resurrection, we're right with God. Why don't, why don't the lost people see what we see? Well, you should just be able to go back in time and ask yourself that question. Why didn't you see before you saw? There was like something there, right? There was some kind of a blindness there. And it said here that the lost are blind to the good news because the God of this world, the small g, Adam gave the devil this position. Adam was supposed to have it, but he gave it to the devil. And now the devil is the God of this world. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And then Paul says in verse 5, one of the best ways to break through the blindness is through preaching. Preaching breaks blindness. He went on to talk about how we preached not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So, I wanted to talk just a little bit about this. And before I do, let me, let me mention that we've talked about two things that will set the atmosphere for God's glory to be greater in our churches. Like a service like tonight. Let's say, let's say the glory of God manifests in the church service tonight. Well, it could be in many different forms. It's basically... The Holy Spirit showing up in the earth realm in a powerful way. It can be a cloud that is like made out of a million diamonds that fills the whole room. We've got scriptures for that where the cloud of God filled the house of God. The leaders couldn't stand. They fell down on the face and the power of God was moving throughout the whole congregation like a cloud. The presence of God was like a diamond cloud. We found out that the glory of God can be heard like the sound of a rushing mighty wind inside a building 
And all of a sudden, tongues of fire appear and everybody's speaking in tongues and God's manifesting Himself. That's, that's hearing and seeing. Uh, the Bible says the glory of God's manifested at times in an earthquake that didn't destroy, but it set people free. You all know, remember a couple earthquakes in the Bible that didn't hurt anything, but it, it, they felt the shaking? When they were praying one day in Acts chapter 4, it said, it said when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, we think it's interesting that a person shakes, you know, Ooh, the power of God's all over that person. Wait till a building shakes. Wait till you see the whole building shake because of the power of God. It'd be interesting to stay home from a meeting like that. So what happened in the meeting the other night? Oh, you wouldn't believe it. The building shook. What? I knew I should have been there. <laughs> Some things you can't get online, so if you can be in church, you want to be here. And then Paul and, Paul and Silas were in jail one time for preaching the gospel, and they were thrust into the innermost part of the prison, feet fast in socks, backs were bleeding. They decided to pray and sing praises, and the Bible said there was a great earthquake. Everybody's prison door flew open. All the bands supernaturally fell off, and they got delivered from jail. That's a manifestation of the glory of God. Jesus standing at the tomb of Lazarus, while Lazarus had been dead four days, told Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sister, Jesus said, I didn't I say to you, if you would believe, everybody say, if you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. And he said, roll away the stone. He raised Lazarus from the dead and they saw the glory of God. So the glory of God includes healings. The glory of God includes miracles. I mean, if the glory of God can raise somebody from the dead, what could the glory of God do manifesting in our church services? Could it heal somebody? Well, if it can raise the dead, it can heal somebody. So we want the glory of God to be able to manifest greater and greater in our church services. So, um, but there's something I wanted to talk to you about because if, if you'd look with me, before we read any more about this next part, go to John 14. Here's a key to the manifest presence of God in our lives. John 14. Is anybody interested in God being able to manifest more? We don't need it to believe, but we should want it. And I believe if we want it for the right reasons, guys, we're going to see it. In verse 21, John 14, 21, Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You see that? I looked at the word manifest and it's talking about shining in the physical and one, and one uh, Greek definition of the word manifest is appear. Jesus appearing at times has to do with people doing what this verse says right here. I told you, and I've told the congregation for a long time since I was at that meeting in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, actually, years ago, that the Lord told me He was going to start appearing to local churches like on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. He was just going to manifest on the platform and He would be there to say and, and, and do some things. 
in the last days. It's happened before. He appeared to 500 brethren, over 500 brethren at once, before he ascended to the Father finally, and that was after he had risen from the dead. Other people have seen Jesus. And I sense the Lord said, I'm going to start appearing to local churches in the last days, especially those who operate in, a, in true praise and worship and are expecting me to do so. But this scripture here says, He'll manifest to people who... How could we simplify this verse? He will manifest to people who love Him. And how do we know if we love Him? He that has my commandments and keeps them. Now when you think of commandments, you're probably immediately going to start thinking of the Ten Commandments, but he's, he's not so much talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the commandments he talked about in the New Testament, which is primarily love one another as he loved us. Of course, love God first and foremost, and he talked about loving one another as he loved us. And then the Bible also says a New Testament commandment is believing on the name of his son Jesus Christ and loving one another as he gave us commandment. And it also includes anything the Spirit of God will lead you to do on a daily basis that's in line with the Word. Of course, you, here's how you can tell if the Holy Spirit's leading you from the inside or your own voice trying to lead you from the inside or your own feelings trying to lead you because it's all on the inside. How are you going to know which one's God? It's in line with the Bible. If you sense a leading on the inside and there are scriptures that contradict that leading, no matter how much it feels like God, it's not God. This is why you need to know the Word so you know, is that a feeling? Is that an emotion? Is that me? Is that the devil? Or is it God? Well, how are you going to know if it's God? It's all on the inside. Not, not the devil, but sometimes his thoughts get in your brain and you think it's on the inside. So how do you know if it's God? How do you know if a leading on the inside is God? It doesn't violate Scripture. It lines up with Scripture or principle of Scripture. Right? Well, I just feel like that other person's spouse should be my spouse. Well, that feeling is wrong, okay? No matter how much it feels like God, no matter how much it feels like the Lord, it's wrong, it's of the devil, and you need to resist it. But it just feels so right. Well, you are so wrong. <laughs> right? You can't go by a feeling when you know Scriptures say it's not right. Well, I just feel like I should do this, but is there Scripture saying you shouldn't do it? So... Um, back to this verse here. If you look at verse 23, he basically says the same thing. Jesus answered and said unto him, talking to Judas, not Iscariot, but he said, if, he, Jesus said, if a man loves me, he will keep my words. How do we know we love the Lord? We keep his words. Way beyond a feeling here. The sure proof that we know we love the Lord is we, we keep his word. He said, He that loves me will keep my words, and the Father will love him, and will come unto him, and make our abode with him. I like verse 21, also where it says, I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. So, I, I, I still think we all have some room we can grow in this. Keeping his commandments. <laughs> right? um, keeping his words. Free will is a very interesting thing. It's one of the greatest competitors to doing God's will for your life. The greatest competitor to doing God's will for your life is your own will and your own wants and your own desires. You have to, you have to realize that 
See, okay, you ready for the title of the second half here, which we're way past the half, but um, we need to talk about seeing past Satan's unreal world that we live in. This is his world right now. Jesus called him the God of this world. Paul did by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said on his way to the cross, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me, showing that the devil has authority in this world. Or why would Jesus say the prince of this world comes? Right? And that's um, John 14. No, excuse me, that's... Um, yeah, I think it is John 14, 30. Just look over there real quick. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. So Jesus called the devil the authority figure of this world system. Now, we, we talked for the last few weeks before Glory in the Church, we talked about the devil is beautiful. Because God said he was the most beautiful angel. And he got so caught up in his beauty, he rebelled against God, thought he was something more than he was, and God cast him down you know, out of heaven. And we talked about how sly he is, and about how... Um, crafty he is and how how bright he is at times and how how his way feels so right at times and if you're not smart in the word of God not just until if you're not smart in the word of God and you don't have scriptures in you and you're not going to church you're not hearing the rhema word you're not reading the logos word if you're not in the word of God it doesn't matter how many degrees you have after your name, you are an easy kickover for the devil. He will wrap you up and tie you up in deception to where you think you're 100% right and you're 100% wrong. The Bible says Satan is transformed as an angel of light. That means everything that's bright or feels bright or seems bright or seems right isn't right. You got to know the word, you got to be in prayer, and you got to go to church if you want to be undeceived. And even then, you still got to be on top of it. So, the Bible says Satan is called the God of this world. And he's blinding the minds of lost people, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He's the God of this world. He has a lot of control on this earth. He's got a lot of people deceived, and he's got a lot of people thinking reality is this, when that is not reality at all. And let me read you a couple things connected with this concerning, because we're talking about obedience to Jesus so he can manifest more. Do you think there's any area of our life that maybe we're not obedient in that we think maybe is okay or it's not that big a deal or maybe we just don't know? Do you think there's any area of keeping his words that we might be a little fuzzy about tonight? Huh? I mean, we may be doing great here and here and here, but maybe we're fuzzy about here and here and here. Well, I think we need to focus, get rid of the fuzz, and, and keep his word so he can manifest more. Hmm? Anybody interested in seeing more of his presence? Well, he said it's, it's real simple. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And if you will do those things, I'll manifest myself to you. What if a whole church started doing that? We need to be open to going higher in God because we ain't as high as we could be in God. You following me? We're saved. We're going to heaven when we die. But when it comes to operating in the earth realm, doing the things He's called us to do, staying out of sin, living a righteous life, we need to be open to the fact that maybe we're thinking some things are okay, but they're not okay. Or some things are real, but they're not real. 
the only, the only way you're going to know reality from illusion is knowing the Word. Because Jesus said in the, in the 17th chapter of John, He said, Father, separate them through Thy truth. Your Word is truth. Your Word is reality. What is reality? This book right here. You know, we did a Arise Shine recently, and it was, it's a taped one for a later date when we're out of town or something, and we did it on um, concerning identity crisis. And a lot of people, even in church today, still don't know who they are. And they've been Christians for decades, and they're still trying to figure out who they are, and who am I, and well, what am I supposed to do in life? And, and, and usually that happens when people drift away from church. Because their whole reason for being as a Christian is connected with the church. You're now a member of the body of Christ, which is the church of the living God, right? And when you drift away from the church, you start getting confused about who you are. Because you're getting away from the purpose you were born again. You were born again not just to go to heaven when you die. You're born again to be an active part in God's church, the Lord's body. And we've seen people get confused. We've seen people go into identity crisis and mixed with midlife crisis and all this other stuff. And it's simply because they forgot something. I'm a member of the body of Christ now that I'm born again. I have a part to play. The body needs me. I need the body. And um, so I wrote this down. Satan has done his best to make full obedience to God look and feel abnormal and even a little crazy in this unreal world here on earth. He's done his best to make full obedience to God look a little abnormal. You don't have to do that. No, no, you don't have to go that far. No, you don't have to be that weird. Well, number one, being sold out to God is not weird. Not being sold out to God is weird. And you'll find that out in a few clicks from now. But it's like, it's like Satan has this way of making it sound like, well, you know, that's a little crazy. You know, speaking in tongues, going to church more than once a week, and bringing people to church, and, you know, hearing Christian music at home, and doing devotions with your children, and praying over every meal. That's a little weird. That's Satan's unreal world telling you that. Are you listening to me? That's his unreal world telling you that going all the way for God is a little abnormal, not necessary, and you don't really have to do it. And that's one thing's true. You don't have to do it. But he'll mix it in there with all these other things to try to get you not to do it. You know, we should be so aware of the presence of God that when we're sitting in a room with three other people, we realize there's a fourth person there. We're going to talk about him a lot because he's not going to be ignored. Right. I mean, we had some neighbors over the other night. I don't even know if they're saved. They're lovely people, and we're, we love them, and we're going to keep hanging out with them, and I pray that they will come to church someday and, and get all the joy we have and all the peace we have. And we were, I was sitting there with two of my neighbors, and uh, Carlos was with them and some others in the other room. We had other people on the patio and inside, and, and I was sitting there, and I just, I'm always aware of the Lord's presence, and I'm not going to not talk about Him just because I think it might, somebody might not understand. Right. I know enough not to be crazy or mad, but even though they said Jesus was mad and they said Paul was mad, I mean, maybe they're, saying, maybe they're going to say we're mad once in a while. I don't know. But, but I bring him into conversations because he's right there. He's right with me. And I'm going to talk about him. And you can talk about him in a way where even worldly people go, wow, that's wisdom. The Bible said that. The Lord said that. Jesus said that. Really? I didn't know the Bible said that. 
It's amazing how easy you can bring the Lord in your conversation when you realize He's with you all the time. But let me read the statement again, because I've got to close here in a minute. Satan has done his best to make full obedience to God look and feel abnormal in this crazy world of his. Even a little crazy, because um, it's just he doesn't want people uh, experiencing the manifest power and presence of God. And um, let me read you something out of Kenneth Hagin's book before we're, we're out of time here. Um, about this. Did anybody ever see a movie called The Truman Show? Yeah. Raise your hand if you've ever seen that movie with Jim Carrey called The Truman Show. So it's really interesting. I was talking to Carla earlier today about Satan's unreal world and how he's the God of this world. The Bible says, Jesus said, he's the prince of this world, comes and he has nothing in me. Ephesians 6 says that he calls, he calls de the demons rulers of the darkness of this world. 1 John chapter 4, I think it's verse 19, said that the whole world lies in wickedness. We can see that the whole world is presided over by the devil. But those that aren't being influenced by his unreal world and his crazy operations is those that are fully yielded to Jesus. So you can be in a world full of wickedness. He's, John said the whole world lies in wickedness. Shows you right there that Satan has got authority over this entire planet except the lives of people that are sold out to Jesus. If Jesus is your Lord, then you are now free from the attacks and manipulations of the devil. But that doesn't mean you can't get caught in this unreal world of his and the illusions that he's trying to produce. It's all around us. It's everywhere. He does not want Jesus being able to manifest in our church services. He does not want Jesus to be able to manifest in our world. He does not want it. And he'll do everything he can to mess up people's minds to stop them from doing the things necessary so he can manifest. So the Lord can manifest. So I wanted to read this to you. This is Kenneth Hagin's book, The Real Faith, because there is a fake faith. The Bible talks about unfeigned faith, meaning there is a feigned faith. But I want to read you something here in the uh, last chapter under enemies of faith. You know, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are called. He says here, now listen real closely. This is very interesting wording here. I, it's, it's just a lot of revelation. He said, quote, we often wonder why it is so hard to believe God and fight the good fight of faith. Paul wrote about in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. We, always, we often wonder why it's so hard to believe God and to fight this fight and to see results. The reason is because we are surrounded by an antagonistic atmosphere in this world. The world is presided over by Satan, the enemy of all righteousness. Paul calls him the God of this world, the prince of the powers of the air. We live in Satan's unreal world, surrounded by currents of unbelief that are so subtle they can dominate us before we realize what's happening. These currents of unbelief are so persistent that only a few ever rise above them. For example, to believe God for finances is a continual struggle against the materialistic currents that buffet us. To believe in Christ for victory over sin can be a never-ending battle with the spiritual hosts of darkness. To believe in God for healing for the physical body is to put up a battle against centuries of trust in medicine alone. 
he, he refers to this world as Satan's unreal world. That movie, The Truman Show, it, it depicts this so cool. It's not the devil and God, but you can see parallels there. So this guy grew up, he was born on, on air, live TV across the world. He was born in a dome that looked like a city. It had sky and had it, the, everything, lawn and neighbors and people that worked and banks and all this. He's in this little town all his life. And he's like, now he's like, like what, 25, 26 years old. And he still thinks this is the real world. But really, it's a dome. There's projectors projecting sky. There's a lake that looks like it goes on forever, but it's just a wall. And, and the, 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 there's, it's just, he, he's in this world. He thinks it's, it's life. This is life to him. It's, it's his real world. And one day he's doing something, walking down the road or something, just his own routine, saying hi to the neighbors and, you know, got the dog over here barking and he goes to his work and same thing, you know, just the same routine for however long, just same routine. And all of a sudden this thing falls out of the sky and it's a, it's a movie light, like one of these lights here just falls on the cement. He looks up in the blue sky and goes, what? <laughs> he started thinking, what's going on here? And then he starts getting a little suspicious. He starts looking around, seeing some other things that, wait a minute, what? And as it progresses on, he starts realizing something's going on here. This isn't the real world. This is a fake world. I was born on, he found, finds out at the end of the movie, I was born on camera. And then this guy up in the booth, you know, the, the guy that created the show, the Truman Show, you know, this reality show that the kid didn't even know he was on a reality. He thought it was real. This guy's up there going, Truman. I saw you when you were born. I saw you when you lost your first tooth. And he's just getting all sentimental about it. And, and he's, Truman's like, at the end of the wall, he finally found the way out. It's like he realizes it's wrong and his back's to the camera. And the guy just gets kind of upset and said, Hey, say something, you're on live TV! And he turns around and says, Sayonara, I'm out of here, basically. I'm done with this. I'm no longer part of your fake world. And he saw past it. And you know, it's like, it's like that. It's like, if you're not in the Word, if you're not in prayer, if you're not in church, if you're not worshiping God, you get caught in this world that says, you know, this is the fun route. It's an okay route. Th th this is the bright way. Look, it's bright over here. It could just be a movie light. You understand that? He's transformed himself as an angel of light. This just feels right. I, this just seems right. We need to be open to the fact that some of that illusion junk may still be trying to cling to us. And we need to break free and say, you know what? I'm going all the way for the Lord. And then you ask yourself, what does that mean? Well, the Lord will tell you what that means. And it means more than we thought it meant. I actually think a lot of what preachers are living by, everybody in the church should live by, and preachers should go to the next level. You need to realize why you're here. You are not here to build a big business. And that's it. If God wants you to build a big business, it's not so you can have a big business, it's so you can influence people for Jesus on a higher level. Yeah. Everywhere we go, there's a lot of, the greatest thing on our Are You Struggling form, to this day still, are people filling out that, we have, we have more people are struggling with unclear purpose than anything else in our church. Unclear purpose. Out of all seven or eight things we have in that piece of paper, you know, loneliness, depression, sickness, fear, guilt, addictions, uh, depression, number one is unclear purpose. <laughs> and I think when purpose becomes clear, you start realizing 
wait a second. I've been, I've been under some unreal, unreal illusions. I, I've been thinking this was the most important. I've been thinking that was the most. Hey, have a great job. Be a lawyer. Be a plumber. Be a musician. Be an athlete. Be a mom. Be whatever you, you, you sense a leading to be. But that's, you, you need to realize that's just to help you influence other people for Jesus. This thing's going to be over pretty soon. We were sitting on our porch earlier tonight. I said, Carl, those neighbors right across the street, it would be really weird if I got to heaven and found out they didn't make it. Because then there will be a great gulf fixed between me and them. I can't go to them. They can't come to me. And there's no way to get them saved. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, what's our purpose? See, the devil wants you to think, no, you're not a soul winner. Yes, you are. Yeah. The devil wants you to think, no, bringing people to church, that's no big It's a big deal. This is huge. Do you realize in a little bit from now, you're all going to be out of your bodies? And it's only what we did for the Lord that's going to count? And now listen closely how I say this in closing. You can, you can sum up a lot of what God wants you to do by just walking in love every day of your life. But friend, if there's no concern for preaching the gospel and you're just nice to people, you're missing it. That's right. Did you hear what I said? Be a nice person. Be a loving person. But if we're not involved with doing what the Lord told us to do, go to all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples of all people, Christianity and church is too much a part of people's lives. It needs to be people's lives. We're living for the Lord. We are born again. Why are we not in heaven if it's far better? Why are we still here? The Bible says to be to depart and be with Christ is far better. Why are we still here if it's far better to be with Christ? Because we got a job to do. And it's a little bit more than just building a big corporation or doing something on the job or, you know, just... We have kingdom business to do. And the unreal world of the devil wants you to think that's not for you. It's for somebody else more anointed to you. Somebody who went to seminary. Somebody who's got, you know, uh, Bible college under their belt or whatever. No, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And we need to just punch a hole in that bubble and say, no, devil. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 you don't. Uh-uh. I'm done with your unreal world. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the scriptures. I'm going to find out what I'm really here for. Stand up with me, please. <laughs> it's not even 8.30 yet. Well, it just turned 8.30. <laughs> it was 8.29 until I just said that. Let's lift up our hands. Father, we thank you for helping us to see past the fog and the illusions of the enemy and to see right down to the nitty-gritty what our purpose is. Lord, thank you. Help us to see things in this area that we can adjust in our lives so you can manifest more, so you can do more in our services. Lord, we want to know. We want to know the things we need to know so we can adjust what we need to adjust. Jesus, we want you to be able to manifest more in our church services. Full obedience to you is possible and it's wonderful. We believe this, Lord. Show us what that means, Lord. We want to know in any area that, that we can improve or come up in the area of knowing your commandments, keeping your commandments, doing what you say, being led by your Spirit. Oh, Father, help us not to be so stuck in certain ruts that we can't get out. Lord, we're asking for help in this area, for the oil of the Holy Ghost to loosen things up in our life. Help us, Father God, to flow with the Holy Spirit in these last days. Help us, Lord, to be keen to what's honoring to you and what's dishonoring to you. What's honoring to your church and what's dishonoring to your church. Lord, show us things that maybe we've been cloudy about, things that we haven't seen. Help us to go to the next level, Lord. Oh, Father, we know that more manifestation... 
follows more revelation. So we're just asking that you would reveal to us things about our lives that will help us to set the atmosphere for greater glory. And we thank you it's happening in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast.